Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Have you been thinking about maybe having your own podcast? Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First and foremost, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor, they'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple and many more. With Anchor, you can start to make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership as well. It's truly everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome back to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all of the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. I'm so excited to introduce to you my next guest, Emil Wilbekin. He's the former editor-at-large of Essence Magazine, one of the founding editors of Vibe Magazine, and the founder of Native Son, a platform created to inspire and empower Black gay men. Emil contracted HIV while working as a fashion director, and while he lived in fear for so long, it fueled his activism as a Black gay man, and he continues his incredible philanthropic work and community building through Native Son. He's a legend, and I can't wait for you guys to hear more. Welcome, Emil. Hey, Heather. I am so excited to have you on the show because I get to share this amazing person who I know, full of wisdom and inspiration and heart. I get to share you with my listeners, with people who are looking for new answers and looking for different paths in life and and understanding other people's experiences. And someone that I've known for so long like you and and watched you grow over the years as you've watched me grow and change and evolve as human beings. I am so excited to share your story. So I'm going to start with the now first, and then we're going to go back in our history because we go way back. Yeah, we go back. Immediately, I want to talk about Native Son. 
So you founded Native Sun, and it's a platform created to really, truly inspire and empower the Black gay man specifically. And I want to talk about why this was important to you and why it's so needed out there for, for the Black gay community. So thank you for having me. I'm beyond excited just to see you and connect with you and just sit with you. You know, Native Sun is so personal to me. And when I started it four years ago, people kept saying, well, why just Black gay men? Like, why not Black LGBTQ? And why not be more inclusive? And I said, because this is an intervention for myself. And in being an intervention for myself, it's also an intervention for a community of Black gay and queer men who don't really have community who don't really have common places that they can meet and see each other and have conversation and also places that are like in the light. Like we used to have bars and nightclubs, but you know, there's a lot like on, on the apps on Grindr and on and Jacked and all that stuff, but there wasn't a place where we could come together in the light. And I mean that metaphorically and literally to see each other, celebrate each other, and be in community with each other. And so it started as a great idea and has literally from the beginning exploded into beyond my wildest dream. It's amazing. I want to talk a little bit about coming out as it, not only as a gay man, but I do want to talk specifically as a gay black man, because I do think that People outside of the gay, queer, you know, LGBT world, they really don't understand so much. And I believe that a lot of people can think with a good heart, but just ignorance that now that it's acceptable and you see it around a lot more that you guys are all good. Right. It's almost like thinking civil rights changed with Selma. It's like it didn't. There's a lot of work to be done. So to really come out, especially as a Black man, and, and I want to talk about that because there is a difference. It ain't that easy still. It's not easy. And that's, I think, the big thing about it is when you think about Black gay men specifically, we live at this intersection of our Blackness and our queerness. And so when you see me, you see a Black man first. So you think about Black men in America, period. There's disparities in health. There's disparities in life expectancy. Most Black men, if you live past 50, that is amazing. Our life expectancy is 50. I'm 53. so I never knew that. Yeah, so there's that part. The other part is higher rates of incarceration for Black men. And then there's health disparities, right? So hypertension, obesity, heart disease, and all these things. Then on top of it, you layer the gay part. Black gay men specifically in the United States have the highest rates of HIV and AIDS infections still. So we are literally living in two pandemics right now of COVID-19, but also HIV and AIDS. So imagine that you live in middle America or even better in the South. Right. And you want to come out you live in a small town, a rural farming town. How do you do that? And how is that also safe, right? Because everyone's going to kind of know. And then if you want to go get tested for HIV and AIDS, 
you could go to the clinic, but like you're probably going to see people there or know the staff. There's all these different things. And then, you know, the highest rates of HIV and AIDS infections, Jackson, Mississippi and Baltimore, Maryland. And so talking to people in those areas in Baltimore, there's just highest murder capital rate. You know, it's challenging. Like you could be killed or it's just not safe for you or your family if you're necessarily out. Right. And so I think we have a lot of privilege when we live in the big cities like in L.A. and New York and Atlanta, because it is easier to be out. But it's not easy for everyone. The other thing that I've learned through Native Son is in corporate America. And we don't think about that. There are still tons of adult, successful, C-suite Black gay men who are living in the closet because they are afraid of their career being derailed, being ended. They won't be able to advance and these are all real things. We, as, as open as we are in gay marriage and all these things, there still comes a lot of white privilege and a lot of white supremacy that is layered on top of the gay parts that we don't talk a lot about. Right. A hundred percent. Just everybody listening, take one second to think about having to pretend every single day to be somebody who you are not. And what a travesty that is. Because why? Because we uh, you know, want to judge other people and we want to put our beliefs on other people and you know, say what we think is best for them and that's what they should do. It's all fear-based. It's what you're born uh, you know, and raised thinking and learning and being taught. But the amplification and the visibility, okay, yeah. the, the courage to step out and say, I'm here, that to me is the hardest work. And I want to talk a little bit about that because there's no easy way to say this. When you found out that you were HIV positive, it was earth shattering, life shattering for you. And it took you a really long time to come Mm -hmm. to terms with it. And now my, I literally, my cup runneth over when I say this to you, I actually get goosebumps. You show up unapologetically in your truth everywhere you go. And it wasn't easy for you to get there. And so I want you to talk about that struggle a little bit because you just didn't show up and be like, I'm going to start Native Son because I've got all this power. You actually had to go through it yourself. And so you talked the talk because you walked the walk. So let's talk about what, what that was like for you, Emil. So basically when, you know, around the time we met when I was at Vive and I was, you know, the style editor, then the fashion director, somewhere in that time where I was fashion director, I believe, I contracted HIV and I got really, really sick. Like I was out sick, but this was around the time of the swine flu epidemic. So I was like, oh, I must have gotten swine flu and I'm just really sick. Luckily, because work was, I had been there from the beginning and I was a senior level person, I was able to just kind of work from home, but they didn't know that I was like at home throwing up diarrhea. And so I remember when I went back to the office, like I was out almost a month, which back then is like unheard of. I remember that. And I was really thin and everyone was like, okay, like what happened? And I was like, no, it's just swine flu. I'm okay. I'm good. Blah, 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 blah. The next year at the exact same time, I get sick again. And one of my friends, he's a little older than me, who was positive, said, I'm taking you to go get tested. 
And I was like, no, I'm good. And he was like, you're not good. And you are good, but you're not good. So let's go and get tested so you can take care of yourself. So I remember going and I was like terrified. And this is back in the days where it wasn't overnight or or like you got it in an hour. It's like, oh, you have to come back like in a week. Or more, like 10 days. It was a horrible waiting period. So I just remember going back and it was funny. My friend was like, you have to go back by yourself though. And I was like, you're not coming with me. He's like, it's just, trust me, you have to go by yourself. And they told me I was positive. And that's to your point, shattered. Because I thought, I'm so smart. How could I let this happen to me? Like, I knew all the possibilities of unsafe sex and unprotected sex. And I still did it. And then it just shook me because I was like, do I not think that I'm worthy, you know, to be healthy and positive and not be positive? Right. Like, why would I do that? And then I thought, like, you know, people look up to me and I'm like a leader and I just let everybody down. And most importantly, I let myself down. And so then I kind of had to work through kind of just dealing with the fact that I was positive and what did that mean? Now you have to also remember, I'm of the age that when I moved to New York City, it was at the end of the AIDS pandemic and epidemic. And like people, we lost a whole generation of queer people and gay people and LGBTQ plus people. And so then I was like terrified. I knew that there were medication now and it was better at that time, but it's just, it was scary. And so then I have this group of friends who were all positive and they literally took care of me. They were like, this is the doctor you need to see. You need to change your diet. You need to be more healthy. You can't party as much. You need to really take care of yourself holistically. And I met through one of my friends, this really radical HIV and AIDS doctor, who at that time, they instantly put you on medication. And the medication almost did more damage to your body than the HIV or AIDS did. He was the opposite. He said, we're not going to put you on meds until you are absolutely so, you have no T cells. You just have to go on meds. So I didn't go on meds for like a really long time afterwards. And then when I finally did, that was the whole process. Cause like I have to take pills every day for the rest of my life. And I only take one pill, which is a privilege compared to what people did before. Yeah. The cocktails and the, oh my God. Yeah. And so then it was just a journey. But I think, you know, I was in a relationship where I was really in love with someone and they were they were negative and I was positive and they had really personal experiences with HIV and AIDS in their family. And so they were very triggered by that with me. And so it affected our relationship. But what I felt in the relationship that I loved this man so deeply was that I felt ashamed that I was positive. And when we broke up, I told him, I said, I want to thank you because I'm going to come out publicly because at this point in my career, it's past being editor in chief. And I've done all, you know, I've worked at all these other brands, which we'll talk about, but I'm a public figure. And I'm like, I don't, want to live in shame and fear about who I am. And I also don't want other people to. And that was really one of the big impetus of Native Son is how do I, as a role model, model that it's okay if half, according to the CDC, 
half the population of black gay men are HIV positive or living with AIDS. So half my community is living with HIV and AIDS. So then if we feel bad about it and are living in the closet about it, that's unhealthy. Right. And for so many people that are struggling, you know, walking the same walk and and understanding a very similar struggle and yet still not talking to one another about it. You were the editor in chief at Vibe magazine at the time. And I remember you being larger than life and just, you know, so good at what you did. I mean, such a power at what you did. And here you were living in this fear with this secret, you know what I mean? For And you didn't, it was a while. I mean, it was a couple of years, I think, before you actually came out and came out publicly. But what I want people to hold on to for one second is Emil got thrown a fiery hardball pitch and it hit him right in the gut and it knocked him on his ass. But he got up and he pulled that fiery hardball out of his gut and he whipped it right back at the universe and said, you cannot knock me down. And what he did is his experiences and what he was going through as a person fueled his activism. It fueled him to step out in front as a gay man and say, you want to throw a hardball at me, you throw it because I'm not going to be criticized anymore. I'm going to stand up for LGBTQ content. You were putting content in Vibe magazine 20 years ago, Emil, is it 15, 20 years ago? And let's talk about how you turned your lemons into lemonade and then became a force for an entire movement, an entire population of men. Ooh, thank you for that. Thank you for putting that in perspective as well. You know, it was tough. I remember I was in Paris shooting Puffy. He had a big party and we were shooting the party for... Five, and I went to my hotel room that afternoon to take a nap because we're going to do a Paris late dinner with Puffy and everybody. And I got this call from my boss, who was Danielle Smith at the time, yep. who was like, I just resigned. And I just was laying in bed like, Oy. and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to quit because you're my third or fourth editor in chief. And I was just like, I'm, you know, yeah, I don't know if this is for me anymore. And she said, do not quit. (laughs) Do not quit. And I was like, okay. And she's like, you can't tell anybody this, but I am putting you forward to become editor-in-chief, which was not even on my radar. Like I was, as you know, because we were partners in crime. I was like, my fashion life was amazing. And I also had to consider in that moment, wow, this is such a huge opportunity. Wait, I'm a Black gay man who's out. So hip hop was, is, was super homophobic and misogynistic and all these things. And I'm like, yikes. And then I'm like, and I'm positive, but no one knows that I'm positive. And so what is that going to be like? Is it's going to be super stressful? It's going to be a lot of work. And then as I meditated on it and thought about it and journaled about it, I just really realized like that was an opportunity to have that platform and to change hearts and minds. Yeah. And that And that was what you did. There's no question. I mean, so Emil and I go way back to Vibe magazine, but he then also went on to be the managing director of Essence magazine and all this amazing editorial, you know, career and experience. And like he was larger than life. I mean, this is a guy who sits front row at fashion shows and stuff, you know, 
And it was like all of a sudden one day I turned around and you had kind of walked away from this big editorial career and you had started Native Sun. I mean, tell me how that happened because I don't I don't know that transition, but it felt like to me one day you were like managing director of Estes Magazine and then like you had started Native Sun and it was, I got why you did it, but can you talk about what was the voice in your head? What was that pivotal moment that you said, it's time for me here? So basically I had been working at Essence and booking all the covers and kind of managing all the celebrity relationships across the whole brand for the festival, for the awards programs, for the covers, social media, everything. But I was so unhappy and I just loved the legacy of Essence and what it represented and for Black women, just the pinnacle. But I just was like, I'm tired and I want to do something else, but I don't know what something else looks like. So I started working with this woman, Barbara Bizu, who is a vision coach, but she uses ancient rituals to help people clear space to open. So get rid of what you don't need to open up space for the vision that you want for your life. And I started working with her. I was probably working with her like two years and I got laid off when Time Inc. and Time Warner were separating 500 people in one day. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like I just launched a cover with Oprah Winfrey, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Boris Whitaker, and Michael B. Jordan. Wow. And I'm laid off and I'm wearing St. Laurent. Like what's happening? (laughs) And I was devastated and relieved at the same time. And I remember I called Barbara and I was like, oh my God, Barbara, I just got laid off. She's like, okay, did you get a severance? And I said, yeah, I actually got a really great severance and they want to keep me on for a while to get through these projects. So I'm really good. She's like, well, congratulations. The universe gave you what you asked for. She said, you wanted to figure out what you want to do. You needed financial support. There you go. Amazing. That's perspective, right? Like, so, well, you know, obviously Adam Glassman and I had Adam Glassman on the podcast and we talked about manifesting our own destiny. Let's talk a little bit about a vision coach and like manifesting your destiny. And so you, I know you did vision boards and that sort of thing, but you also like do seasonal rituals and I I'm into those too. Like I do detox seasonally and like, but full moon rituals and talk about your meditation and finding this space that allowed your, I guess, your mind to really listen to your heart, right? Yeah, I think that what's been really great for me working with Barbara is that we don't listen often to our inner voice. We don't listen to our spirit. We don't trust our own instincts. And a lot of that is because we allow our circumstance and our situations to inform who we are, where we are, or who we aren't. And we kind of get stuck, right? And I think instead of looking at things like, oh my God, this trauma, like, look, I got fired. It's like, no, I was released from this situation with grace and ease. I was supported by the universe. And then I chose to then go to India for a whole Eat, Pray, Love tour because I needed to go somewhere where I didn't speak the language, where I didn't know anyone, where I felt super uncomfortable, but that had a really rich spiritual grounding. And I think the thing with about doing the the different rituals for full moons, thinking about abundance, 
and different seasonal changes, like with the equinox. There's just things that happen universally that when we align ourselves with them, things come very easily. Right. And I think if you're not aligned spiritually, you don't take advantage. All we have to do is think about them and we, to your point, manifest them. Right. You know, I feel like you moving from your spiritual visions, obviously dealing with your health, wellness became a bigger conversation than just your nutri- your nutrition. Can we talk a little uh, bit about your amplification of wellness and your voice as a visible advocate for that? Yeah, I think I had to take care of myself because being HIV positive, your immune system is weakened. Right. So... I, you know, I had these fast paced, crazy jobs and, you know, I would be out to dinner every night. So then I had to learn like, well, just because you're out to dinner every night, you don't have to drink every night. Just because you're out to dinner doesn't mean you have to have the steak dinner every time. You can actually think about what is the food I'm putting into my body and is it healthy? Does it serve me? And then I even worked with a nutritionist who really, you know, talked about like, enjoying the moment of taking the food in and that the food is to heal you and to make you stronger. So I think that plus meditation, plus working with Barbara. And then I like, for some reason, got connected to this church in Harlem called First Corinthian Baptist Church, which is like this rock and roll, black, fierce church that is intersectional. And the minister, Pastor Mike, is like my other spiritual guru. So I have Barbara and I have Pastor Mike. And Pastor Mike is like, wears jeans. And when he's giving the sermons, he's spitting like he's a rapper. And, (laughs) you know, he's a social justice warrior. His wife is like the associate pastor and all the junior pastors are women. And I'm just like, hi. And they're like praise dancing and like a band on stage. And I think all of these things together, I found my center. Right. I found a place where I was comfortable with who I am. And I wanted to share that joy. Let the light come out, like turn the light on in you and share it because the more you give, the more you're going to receive. And I think that's that's what I took on in that moment in my life is like, how do you spread joy from your heart? And how do you help other people? How do you live a good life for yourself without judgment of yourself or of other people, which is super tough? You know, they, there's that saying, heal yourself, heal the world. And that's exactly what happened. So you're a storyteller, Emil, and you know, you have such, I mean, listen, we can talk about the celebrities that you've, you know, worked with in your career and, you know, all the covers of magazines and all the elbows that you've, you know, rubbed, but that's not really what it's about. It's about the experiences that you took away from those people. And you do a lot of public speaking on diversity and equity. And I wanted to come back to the word equity versus equality. And if you can just, you know, Give us your kind of elevator pitch on, you know, if you don't think you know, let me tell you what you need to know on diversity and equity for, you know, those that need to hear it out there a little bit. So I think a big thing about diversity and equity is that diversity, we want to celebrate the differences in each other versus judging or condemning people for being different. You know, it's interesting. I worked on a project recently and 
it's mostly the leadership is mostly women. There's a lot of queer women. There's a trans woman. And I was like, this is great because this is not what you see in most big businesses. And so it's celebrating our differences. And I think the equity part is not only celebrating our differences, but giving voice to the differences, right? So that, you know, what you know in your life experience and what I know, we don't know the same things. So how do we find a common ground? But how do we also, especially like with young people, a lot of young people don't feel heard. Because there's this thing, this patriarchal thing, like, well, I'm 53 and I'm older and experienced. So when I talk, you listen. And that's not good. Like, it needs to be a shared conversation. So, yeah, I don't understand TikTok. Like, what's happening? Tell me all the things about TikTok. And then I'm going to tell you about James Baldwin and why he inspired the movement Native Son. I mean, there's just things like that to foods, to all kinds of things. And I think that when you think about equity, it's giving everyone a voice and a seat at the table and not judging people. Yes. You know, one of the things when you said equality and equity to me, like it was almost like those light bulbs go off in your head. And for me, it was so modern in thinking because like, we're not really all equal. We're really not like you're stronger than me. Like, you know, I might be better at math than that person. Like we're not all equal, but the equity that each individual person brings to the table, brings to the project or the world that's what makes us so damn interesting and cool. Equality across the board would be pretty fucking boring if you think That's about right. it. You know, it's equity. It's what is your equity that you bring and that your differences and the fact that we're different is what's being celebrated. Not that we're all supposed to be equal. And- yeah. And also just being sensitive, like the way we're raised in America is very patriarchal, hyper-masculine. It's very white privilege. And we don't think about everybody. Right. So it doesn't matter if someone is poor, doesn't matter if they're an immigrant, if they're disabled, if they're a woman, if they're trans, we need to lean into that and not just lean into it, but say, tell me, like, what is your experience as a trans person? Yes. Why? Oh, you want to be called they, them. Okay. And you need to respect that. Instead of yeah, forcing that's right. what we grew up watching on television as the rule. And that's why I'm so here for like women stepping up and being in power because this is a season of the divine feminine. Yes. And so we need to, especially as men and male presenting people, we need to be more open and more feminine in our, our views, our understanding, our approach. Because there's so much tension and hate and fighting and protesting right now, which is all masculine energy. Yes. And it needs to be more peace and more inward and more gentle and more caring and community, which is more feminine. Right. The nurturing side. It's funny. Like if you think about going to into a board meeting with a bunch of old white dudes, right? Me or you, right? We both would be the minority in this case. Can you imagine saying like, instead of saying like, I want to be your equal, right? How much more progressive would be to say, see my equity. Yes, that's right. I love that. Yes. So I think that's people live in fear, obviously, and they're so afraid of the unknown or change and blah, blah, blah. Well, change happens every goddamn day. And if you just get in touch with the seasons, you'll see it happen. (laughs) 
It happens. Meditate on your moonlight, baby. Burn your crystals in the moonlight. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about what are you finding in terms of fashion now compared to like where we were in the 90s, you know what I mean? And our experiences, what do you think about fashion today? Huh. Yeah, right? Isn't it a funny question? It is. I mean, I try. It's To me, it's not as creative Mm -hmm. and renegade and radical as it was Mm -hmm. when we were doing it. I think, you know, there were so many voices that wanted to be heard and we're doing it, right? Like there was so much underground and counterculture that was happening, which is funny because we kind of lost that with commercialism and kind of this every the mauling of America, Yeah, the big boxes, I mean, every corner with a lot of good shit in them too. It wasn't like the old days. Yeah, no, right. And then the other part too is like, I think that digital culture, right, has made everything so accessible. Yeah. But I don't know, it's kind of homogenous fashion now. Like I lean more into having good taste and having individual style is still more interesting to me than fashion, right? Right. And I'm so inspired by young people. It's always young people. They are like, F you, we're going to do this. I mean, look at the whole, the gender nonconforming, the yes. body positivity, like things that would never, never. like Lizzo being on the cover of Vogue. Right. It's like, it's kind of radical. And that's crazy that it is. But it's amazing to have this woman who's body positive, and then the fact that she would be on the cover and literally the next day on IG, like moving her butt in a swimsuit and doing the whole booty romp thing. Yeah. And I was just like, that's really dope. But yeah, fashion, I think it's just come, it's become super corporate with all the conglomerates and, and moving units and Insta fashion thing. So I'm kind of psyched as I age and become older and an elder that I'm like on a uniform. I like keep it super chic. And it's like, and my friends are like, do you always wear black? And I'm like, "Mm, not always, but a lot. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm good in my great hoodie and my Lululemon sweats and like really dope jewelry. And I'm good. Like, yeah. Like I, I'm not putting any fake eyelashes on, you know what I'm saying? It's just not that time for me. So listen, one of the things I also have to ask you is, you know, I've been on this journey, as you know, and my mountain climbing and all this stuff, like finding my true freedoms, like what really makes me tick? Like what really makes me happy? Like, where do I feel most connected with myself? Where do you find your freedoms and what does it mean to you? So I find a lot of my freedom is in my meditation and my prayers. I've leaned so much into my spiritual journey that my favorite time of the day is the morning. I wake up. I'm so grateful that I wake up. I light candles. I read different meditations and affirmations. I do prayer call with my church. And I just feel content. And then the other part is like my friendships have become so valuable to me. You know, my best friend and his husband and their kids live across the tennis court from me and our complex. And like, we just go and sit on, we, have, we call it the Golden Girls bench. <laughs> we go and sit <laughs> and, you know, we do a little green and we yeah. just sit and talk and it's just fun. And it's also like, we have these really insightful, like quiet, pure moments 
are like the best now. Like dinner at a friend's house and they have a backyard and we can just drink wine and chill is going to beat any restaurant any day of the week. And it sits with you, those things. Well, I could talk to you for hours and hours and we do need to get together soon because I I need some meal, like warm love. Just please uh, let my listeners know where they can find you. So on all social platforms, it's at Emil Wilbekin. So E-M-I-L-W-I-L-E-E-K-I-N. And then for Native Sun, it's Native Sun Now on all platforms. I love it. Thank you so much, Emil Wilbekin, for being here. You're an amazing person. You are in my heart. And this is in my heart. And I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Please don't forget to subscribe and download wherever you stream your podcasts. And join us next week for another episode. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. to say a warm and formal hello to you all and I wanted to thank you for welcoming me into your hearts and into your homes. I just love all the feedback I've been receiving and I have been receiving it and seeing everything and I do want you to know how greatly appreciated it is. In fact, you're sending me such great questions with the feedback that I want to share them with everyone. So I'm going to start answering these questions right here each week on In My Heart. Just DM me on my Instagram at I am Heather T and let me know that we can shout out your Instagram handle, where you're from, and then ask your question. Go on any question and then just listen to in my heart each week to hear if your question gets the holla back. Thanks guys. Can't wait to hear from you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.